Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. This is Lee Dort and I'm down in Dunk. This is Lee Dort and I'm down to Dort. I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to Dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to Dunk. I'm Darius Baisley and I'm down to Dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to Dunk. This is Poku and I'm down to Dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Salmon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, it's my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, we are going to do uh, Summers of Sam, Volume 5 today, which includes the Five. 2018 uh, offseason. 2017 and 2018, 17. 17, and if we get to it, 18, off season. I assume we'll get there yeah. today. There's a lot. I have four pages of notes just on 2017. There's a whole lot. Hey, I, th- I don't know that your mic is connected to StreamYard. <laughs> oh, brother. You might check that Hold out, on. my brother. Oh, my gosh. And see. Okay. Hold um, on now. Hold on now. How'd that sound? Oh, so much better. So much better. I don't hear the swishiness of your coat anymore. Um I don't know why I didn't hear it before, before we started. Uh, Kevin Durant decided yesterday that all of this kerfuffle about getting traded, it's not worth it anymore. He wants to stay. Uh, What was your reaction when you found out? Uh, I think this was the most likely scenario, Andrew, and I was just wondering when it was going to happen. And you would hear, uh, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was his brother or someone close to Kevin Durant was like, Oh, he's definitely not coming back to Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, there's no chance. That was like a few weeks ago. So that made me question it a little bit. But I did always feel like this is where it was going to end up, just because none of these deals make any sense. I mean, you yeah. had Suns fans like, why wouldn't they take Mikael Bridges and three picks? It's like, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> it's Kevin Durant. This is never going to happen. Yeah. And and the the Boston deal was the only one where I thought maybe there could be something there eventually. Yeah. Because they are offering up Jalen Brown, and if you offered up enough picks, perhaps that would be enough to get it done. Clearly wasn't, and maybe it will be in season. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think this is a guarantee of anything. I mean, this is this Brooklyn team has been theoretical now for three seasons. Well, they're just we now deciding to focus on basketball. Just now. I, I would appreciate that because they've been one of the more exhausting teams to talk about in the league. We, like, have to talk about them. Mm-hmm. But there's very little on court to talk about these last couple of years. Yeah, they've they've got the boardroom watermark on the uh, Brooklyn Nets press release. How do we feel very about cool. that? Very cool, super cool, man. I love brands. It's very weird. It's still such a weird situation. Um, I think it's 
if if you're looking for a way to tie it to the thunder, because we are selfish human beings and we need need this to be about us somehow, uh, is that the possibly these picks that the Rockets got aren't as great as they seemed three weeks ago. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that I mean. That is the one reason to root for. I really now that you said that. Okay, I do want. Bro- He's back I really in. do want this to work. We reeled you back out. in, Al. Yeah, you know when you start thinking about it, and you know Ben Simmons is going to come back healthy. You got yeah. a team with Kyrie, who vaccines aren't an issue anymore, nope. so he'll be healthy. Yep. KD's healthy. Ben Simmons is healthy. They got a great bench. Hey, Joe Harris is coming back. Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal. Seth Curry. Royce O'Neal. Nick Claxton. This is a good team. I mean, is this the most talented team in the East? Is the question that we need to be asking ourselves. I mean, that's this is why I hate talking about them because it's like (laughs) it's all theoretical. It's like (laughs) if we're talking two K theoretically, two K sliders. Yes. Yeah, if you just made this team in two K, I bet they'd be pretty good. Yeah, and turned off injuries, turned off vaccines, turned off vaccines. (laughs) <laughs> that's what's happening feature. this year that's what's happening this year vaccines and injuries are being turned off in brooklyn and uh that pick swap won't come into play where you really you just need this team to do if you're a thunder fan you're rooting for the nets to do well this year so they can just keep it together because they do have the rockets have a pick swap in this next draft which probably yeah. won't matter but the following year they do have their pick and so you want them to be good. And that's also a year where potentially the Thunder have the Rockets pick. And if things go okay and like the Rockets end up with like the fifth pick, well, that's the Thunder's pick. And then, you know, the Nets could have been like a, be in the 20s. So. Yeah. And, and the other thing, though, is like Joe Psy does not seem interested in a rebuild, even if they do eventually trade KD. So I think the hope is that even if this doesn't work out in Brooklyn, yeah. maybe. He boo- maybe Kevin Durant boosts his trade value. That sounds weird, but maybe <laughs> these deals that are coming in, these offers are a little bit better, yeah. So that the resulting Nets team is still like solid, yeah. Even even if they're like ninth or tenth, that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be too bad for us. Yeah, for us. If we're talking about us wanting and our, and our Houston feelings. to not get a good fix. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is about this is about us. Uh. All right. Any. Thing else, I think that's the only thing going on in the NBA. Uh, training yeah. camp is in like a month from now, like a little bit over a month. We have Thunder Media Day, which will be we great. did find out that uh, Veet Krejci is is rehabbing an injury. He's not actually playing in yeah. the the tournament. Yeah, I don't know what injury that is, but I don't know. I mean, he had that knee surgery on exit interview day um i don't know if it's the same one obviously you know he played in summer league but maybe he tweaked it i don't know that doesn't it doesn't bode well for for veet and you know we haven't talked roster crunch in a while just because it is becoming a very tired subject but that's going to uh, uh rear its head again in the next few weeks as we get closer to camp and they have to start making like actually have to start making decisions. Uh, so yeah. Okay. Summers of Sam volume five, Paul George. Uh, yeah. So this is 2017 and just some background going into this off season. So, okay. See coming off 
their five-game loss to Houston. You know, Russ has won the MVP. We're excited about that. But the team goes in the playoffs. They lose in five. Russ was 37 points in that series. 11.6 rebounds, 10.8 assists on 39-27-80 shooting splits with six turnovers per game. Uh, Notable for the fact that this was the last year of Russ knowing how to shoot free throws. This was it. This was the final hurrah where he was able to consistently hit over 80%, and then it just fell off a cliff this very next year. This was peak Russ. Peak Russ. You think this is, uh, I mean, this obviously is like his best season ever, best playoff series that he played in, most likely. Probably. I I was, though, I was looking back at his, I want to say it was the 2015 season. Yeah. 2014-15. That he had put up some pretty impressive numbers that year as well. Uh Russ on court during the series. Now these numbers I got from a Bleacher Report article. When I actually looked up the numbers on NBA.com slash stats, mm-hmm. it wasn't exactly the same, but it's mm-hmm. close enough. Mm-hmm. When Russ was on the court against the Rockets, plus four point nine points per one hundred possessions. Pretty good. Taj Gibson, a plus thirteen point seven in that mm-hmm. Houston series. Steven Adams, a plus seven point seven in the Houston series. Mm-hmm. That was in a, 194 minutes with Russ on the court. With Russ off the court, only 46 minutes, about a game length sh- spread across those five games, minus 51.3 points per 100 possessions. <laughs> minus 51.3 points. That's hard to do. Unbelievable. They and were really a bad. lot of people want to immediately blame Samaj, but like we talked last week, he eventually wasn't even playing in that series. Yeah, he played three games, and his minutes went down in all three of those games. This is a, I mean, this was kind of a Billy Donovan problem, and we had some Billy Donovan problems throughout his tenure here, and a lot of it was like rotations based. It's like, why in the world would you not stagger Vic and Russ? And then like Vic goes on to play really, really well in Indy the next season, uh, so much so that you get halfway through the season, you're like, did the Thunder do the right thing? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and it's like, wait, we had, wait, we had that guy here, and he, I mean, Oladipo was not great in Oklahoma City. It was, it was a, kind of a disappointment, and it made his contract at the Look, time. Looks. It looked pretty bad. I mean, his one season in Oklahoma City, he was fifteen points, four boards, two assists. When he got to Indy, his first year, he was an All Star, twenty three, five, four. And almost two and a half assists. I mean, that's yeah. that's insane. That is absolutely insane. Yeah, if you go look at the on-off numbers, the name that sticks out is Ennis Cantor. Yeah. In terms of not being great. It was basically the entire bench. Anyone they threw out there on the bench, it wasn't working great. Yeah. But, yeah, we came out of that series... And I went back and listened to some of the down to dunk pods. We were talking. We, you were doing trade calls on Victor Oladipo. Uh-huh. We were we were already thinking like, what could we get for mm-hmm. Victor Oladipo? At that time, we would not know that Victor Oladipo's hashtag Muscle Watch would be coming. Yeah, which kind of changed our opinions because all of a sudden Vic was looking like super ripped. Yeah, he was. It was like, ooh, maybe year two Vic and OKC is going to be something different. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, we know what would happen there. Now, before we get to the big thing. There's like a lot else in this summer that is not related to Paul George. Mm-hmm. 
So we're going to get to Paul George. But first, I just want to do the draft real quick because it's kind of quick. Oh, gosh. Uh, there's there's not a lot to say. So first of all... <laughs> there kind of is a lot to say. but anyways. Well, there's there's a little to say. Uh, mock drafts going in. Do you remember who the name was that was attached to OKC? Um, Let me think. Because they picked think, think, 21st. Think, think, think. They picked 21st. There was a name that was definitely attached to them. Jonathan Wasserman had him going to the OKC on June 22nd. On June 26th, Royce Young tweeted about this player. Hmm. Do do you remember who it was? Mm -mm. There's growing chatter that Frank Jackson has a first-round promise and that OKC is the team. Royce said that. So, I mean, that's coming from a pretty good source. So, that I mean, I think we were kind of – and it felt like uh, just another – like they keep targeting the same guy. Like it was Reggie Jackson campaign. And now we're getting Frank Jackson. Yeah. Like these kind of backup point guards, but they're not really point guards. They're kind of point guards. He was 19, you know, had just played one year at Duke. Wasn't very good at Duke. <laughs> so it was like, oh my gosh. He did eventually end up on the Thunder for like a hot second and then was, right, yeah, was he did. out, um, which is weird. Uh, anyways, he's, he's a fine player. I don't think he's, so- I don't think he landed anywhere this year, but yeah. So we were kind of expecting that because we had we had experienced this before with campaign in terms of like a first round promise yeah. and the reporting turned out to be true. Mm-hmm. You could even say the same happened with Reggie Jackson. So it kind of seemed like, okay, we're getting Frank Jackson. Yeah. You guys down to Dunk Crew mm-hmm. had a live draft party at Anthem Brewing. Mm-hmm. So we had Chicken Express as a sponsor at the time. Chisholm Holland, who is, <laughs> who is now a, he's the, he hosts the afternoons on the franchise uh, good, good guy was kind of our link t- to them, and they brought chicken strips and fries and like okra and all this stuff for everybody. That was pretty sweet. It was amazing. I wasn't there, but it sounds great. It was amazing. So like you had the all, the chicken and everything, and then you had the the bar open. I mean, it was it was an amazing time. We filled that that tap house uh, pretty good. And I wanted OG Ananobi or Derek White so badly. Um, and uh, who did they take, Andrew? They took Terrence Ferguson, in which case, I, and some of you that are listening were probably there. And we immediately started booing. I wish I had video of it. Um, because I, I people... wish you didn't. I was think, actually thinking about, like, just imagining if that happened in 2022. Yeah. And you, you videotaped it. How many people on Twitter would be like, this is this is so disgusting. They are booing a 19 year old who's having the the night of his life. Yeah, that is very that much a new. I'm glad you didn't record it. That's a new way to think. That was not, it is that is not the way that people thought back in 2017 about the NBA with regards to like the draft and stuff. And we we were we were mad <laughs> and justifiably <laughs> mad. In hindsight, we were correct. That is true. Though I will say, I, so I was going back to, over some uh, big boards, and uh, I found a site that compiled all of the big boards. Mm-hmm. It w- this wasn't a reach. Like Terrence no. Ferguson on a bunch of big boards was anywhere between 17 at the lowest to 25 fifth at mm-hmm. the latest. Yeah, it was his range. Like it was his range. Like Kevin O'Connor had him ranked exactly 21st. Yeah, I Direct just didn't Express like him 24th. Like it was his range. This was his- this wasn't similar this this wasn't like um who were some of the guys that they that felt like Houston <laughs> okay yes Houston yes this wasn't a Houston yeah 
And uh, I don't know. I mean, we sold ourselves on it because it was like, this guy projects as a 3 and D. Yeah. At least they're going for the archetype of the player we've wanted for years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... So even though he averaged four points a game in Australia, at least theoretically, he is the type of player that would fit around Russell Westbrook. Yeah. He's t- he's big. Like, he wasn't big. He was tall, 6'7". He's tall, yeah. I doubt he actually was. Re- I soon. doubt that he's actually six seven. By the way, like he's closer to six five. Whoa, Andrew. Maybe six three even. No, six foot. Andrew. <laughs> uh, I was going back over T Ferg's box scores last night. Yeah, I will say his his second year was like genuinely encouraging. Yeah, it was encouraging. Not like, oh, this guy's definitely a star, or this, or he's definitely an NBA player, but like. I think he shot 37% from three. He shot 40% from the corners. Like he, th- there was some things to like, he actually shot 73% at the rim. I mean, yeah. it wasn't on a ton of attempts, but he was very limited offensively. Yeah. But he was starting to do the things that you would want from that type of a role player. Yeah. And he was showing a lot on the defensive end. Yeah. So yeah, his second year, 26 minutes a game, seven points, two boards and assist. But yeah, on 36% from three, you're like, yeah, great. That's awesome. We want that guy. And he played a lot of minutes. He was only 20 years old at the time. You know, there was, there was a lot of reasons to be optimistic. I was so optimistic at one point that my brother asked me what jersey he should buy. And I told him he should buy a Terrence Ferguson jersey. My no, brother owns no. a Terrence Ferguson jersey. <laughs> no. S- swear. Why? Why? Swear. What a hipster pick to tell your brother. Why he would wa- you tell he your brother wanted Ferguson? a hipster. My brother's a hip a hipster guy, and he wanted like a hipster Thunder jersey. You know, he didn't want a Westbrook jersey. He didn't want a Stephen Adams jersey. He wanted. He was like, "What like young guys jersey could I buy?" I was like, "I guess it's Terrence Ferguson." And so my, yeah, I'm trying to think who else could you've even gone with at that time that would have made sense. I guess like Jeremy Grant, maybe. Okay, that would have that would have actually been a nice nice purchase. Yeah, you get some return on your investment there. Uh, however, that's the a Terrence Ferguson Thunder jersey is one that you could wear to a festival and feel pretty cool because I think people would be like, "Who is that?" You know, it's definitely a festival jersey. I'm, I'm, oh, I mean, <laughs> at least you didn't tell him Singler. You know, a Singler one would be a great festival jersey as well, a great summer league jersey. Or, or Samaj. I guess we were pretty much off of Samaj. You didn't. Oh, if he had it now, if he had a Joffrey Laverne jersey, <laughs> that would be cool. Laverne. Oh my! I would gosh. respect that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did not. I did not think he would be on the team very long, so I did not pick him. Yeah. But, anyways, I thought that I was thinking about that yesterday. So, so that was the draft. And there's not a, just there's just not a ton to say about it. Um, I had Jonathan you know, Sharks on like the day after the draft, I think, to talk about Ferguson. And Jonathan was on his phone walking out of the gym doing this podcast <laughs> with me, and he didn't have hardly anything to say about him. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, so yeah, we already we all know what happened with Ferg. We, we should probably mention who went after Terrence Ferguson. We can in the draft, that. yeah, pain, suffering. Um, interesting. I listened back to the the post draft show, and you were actually way more pissed about Derek White. Derek White was my guy, and I yeah. thought Derek White fit the best and would be helpful sooner. 
than ever anybody else. And I think that was right. I, I was because I was correct. Yeah. So the very next guy who went was Jarrett Allen, uh-huh. who I don't think they would have ever taken at that point because of Steven Adams, but it's kind of like he would have been a great pick. Holy smokes. And it's, yeah, it's it crazy. Amazing. Jared Allen is an all-star and yeah. has never made as much money per year as Steven Adams ever did. Yeah. I mean, Steven Adams made was his deal was like 25 million a year. Jared Allen's deal is currently, currently five years later, 20 million a year. Just great value wild. for centers nowadays. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, Number pick twenty three, of course, was OG Ananobi. Yeah, who we wanted a lot. Uh, and then uh, twenty seven, Kyle Kuzma. Twenty nine, Derek White. Thirty, Josh Hart. Uh, Josh Any Hart would have been would have awesome been... in OKC. Yeah, Josh Hart would have been really oh, great. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then thirty one was Frank Jackson. So Frank Jackson did end up getting picked like very close. Yeah. He, he wasn't a first rounder, but he was the very first pick of the second round. Second round, this was a pretty bad second round. So you don't really feel bad like they missed out on anyone there. Yeah. But yeah, there Dylan were definitely Brooks, some names Monty after Morris. Terrence Ferguson. Yeah, Dylan Brooks and Monty Morris are probably the only two in the second round that you're like, yeah, those those are really good players. Dylan Brooks would be um, great for the Thunder. So now we move on to free agency. Now yeah. to set the scene, because of course we were not thinking Paul George at the time as a possibility. No, no. What were we thinking? We were thinking Blake Griffin. We were that thinking was a lot like about Blake. That was the, the the buzz at the time. And the question, though, was why did OKC extend Steven Adams and Victor Oladipo back in the, the previous fall, mm-hmm. which essentially removed their chances of being in this 2017 free agency class? Because right. the only way at that point to get Blake Griffin would have had to be some kind of sign and trade. This is from the ham man, ham man himself. John Hamm, writing for Daily Thunder. I think this is really interesting. It's it's another it's a very minor one of these, but how we talk about like the Rose Rule and all these other the, the cap spike, all these things that screwed over OKC. Mm-hmm. This one is very minor mm-hmm. in comparison, but it was another one. So this is from John Hamm. Still, as late as mid October of last year, the Thunder had a path to create maximum cap space this summer, talking about 2017, without sacrificing its young core of Stephen Adams, Victor Oladipo, and Andre Robertson. The plan was to forego extensions for each but the owners and players were still working on a new collective bargaining agreement in late October, right before the deadline for extending rookie scale contracts contracts teams were notified that cap holds might increase the following summer. Oladipo's cap hold was projected to jump from 13.1 million to nearly 20 million hold amounts for Adams and Robertson would have increased by a few million as well. Suddenly creating maximum cap room would have required making deeper cuts such as dumping Alex Sabrinas and Demonis Sabonis in addition to Ennis Cantor and others. This caused Sam Presti to change course and lock up Adams and Oladipo instead. When the new agreement was finalized, those cap hold increases were pushed off until 2018. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I bet the Thunder front office lost their minds. <laughs> Isn't that, I mean, that, that Oladipo's cap hold specifically, like that's a difference of $7 million that it's you have lot. to factor in for that the, the 2017 summer. Oh, and obviously, if that's going to be the difference, you don't want to have to cut Demonis Sabonis or, or, or wave him or trade him in a deal. That's not good for you. Like he was coming off his rookie season. So that's just, that's kind of like setting the scene. Mm -hmm. Despite all of that, BA Turner for the LA times right around this time reported that several executives expect the thunder to make a bid for Blake Griffin Mm -hmm. and Royce young as late as June 28th. This is only a couple days before everything went down 
says the Thunder have planned on chasing Blake Griffin for months now. Mm-hmm. They have to feel their chances j- got at least a little better now. He was tweeting this after the CP3 trade. So CP3 gets traded from the Clippers to Houston. Yep. And all of a sudden, people are looking at the Clippers like, well, what's left here? Like, you're really going to run it back with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan? Like, what is this? Yeah, Lou Williams? What's going on? Yeah. And so it did seem like there was a possibility, okay, maybe Blake Griffin would be available. So this is this is how we were thinking <laughs> at the time. The other thing, yeah, the other names being thrown out there, June 29th, Woj, sources, R- free agent Rudy Gay hosts meeting oh in gosh. Austin, Texas with interested suitors this weekend. OKC continues to be a team who sees fit. A few days later, Ennis Cantor tweeted, League sources tell Ennis Cantor with a picture of Rudy Gay's locker next to Russell Westbrook. Yeah. We we thought that was like a done deal. It felt like a done deal at the time. I remember talking a ton about it. I wrote an article about it. I think I used like Vantage Sports stats to like, you know, discuss how he would fit on the team. And I remember like not being very enamored with Rudy Gay on this <laughs> yes, team. Yes, you were not. <laughs> um, but it, it felt like a done deal. Um, which in retrospect probably would have been a, I mean, that'd be nice to have Rudy Gay. He's better Certainly than, better than the guy that we ended up getting. That was a power forward. Yeah. Honestly, if they got Rudy Gay, they probably do not make the mellow deal. Maybe not because now you have Jeremy Grant and Rudy Gay. Yeah. I don't know that that would probably would work. The other name, which this one, I didn't remember June 30th, Royce Young tweeted, expect the thunder to be in contact with unrestricted agent. Michael Carter Williams this week. I remember that. Oh my Free gosh. Agents. I was not happy about that. I think I did a podcast with John Hamm that Wednesday when that news came out and we were kind of trashing the idea of <laughs> C dub. No, because it's a You're... terrible fit. It's a horrible fit. It okay. It is, but we were coming off a season where we had just seen Samaj Kristen play the backup point guard role. So like could it have really been that bad? I mean, it was it was an upgrade, but it's like that's not the kind of guy that you want playing, you know, backing up Russell Westbrook, you know, or playing next to him. Like, holy smokes, like you want like what are we doing here? Gonna throw him and Andre Robertson out there with Westbrook? <laughs> what are we doing here? Shut down, Andrew. They're gonna shut down the whole league. No one's scoring eighty five points with that with that roster. Yeah, no uh, one, including the Thunder. Including the Thunder. The other name that was out there. From Ramona Shelburne. Yeah. Sources also to- told Shelburne that New York engaged the Oklahoma City Thunder in talks for Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Yeah. But as one source said of the Knicks, they don't have enough. Which is kind of interesting because you go back and look at that trade. It was DeAndre Jordan, Wes Matthews, who were two expirings at that mm-hmm. time. Dennis Smith Jr., who was kind of like the crown jewel of that trade package. Mm-hmm. He was a recent number 10 pick or whatever. They got a 2021 unprotected first and then a 2023 top 10 protected first. Yeah. If like, it's so crazy because nowadays you're like, OKC could easily match that deal. Oh yeah. Like barely, it would take like no effort at all to match that deal. Even then they had the future picks. So like, I feel like they could have matched picks wise. I guess they just didn't have the Dennis Smith jr. Piece to like really excite New York. I mean, that sounds crazy now, but yeah, at the time. Yeah. And we knew that they were interested in Porzingis way back at the draft. Yeah, they wanted him in like in the in the year prior they were trying to get him to to be in the in the draft before he actually went out. Was that 20 
2014 or 15 or 15. Yeah, I can't remember which one. But yeah, he they would have and they could have taken him like in the teens or 20s, you know, or traded for some pick to get him. Um but, you know, good he made the right decision cuz he ended up he ended up going fourth in the 2015 draft. They wanted him in the 2014 draft. Uh so just interesting. Yeah, that's when <laughs> would have worked out a little bit better than Mitch McGarry. He, yeah, yeah, it would have. Uh, so, so that's those are kind of like the other names that were being thrown out there at the time. Yeah. Meanwhile, the rest of the league is interested in Paul George. Yeah. But at this point, it doesn't seem like there's any way that the Thunder would ever have a chance. It felt like we were at the back of the line when, with regards to like assets, and it was mostly because of the Celtics because they had that Brooklyn pick. And apparently, offered, and apparently offered it to the Pacers in like February, where they offered so, the Brooklyn pick and then several other things for Paul George, and they said no. So not only did they have the Brooklyn pick, but they also had the pick that they would get this summer from doing the Fultz-Tatum trade. Yeah. So they got the – it was going to be a Lakers pick yeah. if it landed anywhere outside of two through five, which it didn't, which made it a Sacramento pick which you'd think, oh, that's awesome, unprotected Sacramento, it became the 14th pick. Mm -hmm. It it was the pick that became uh, Romeo Langford in 2018. Mm -hmm. So, But that was like a juicy pick at that time. Yeah. Very juicy. Yeah. So I want to read some of the the chatter, the league-wide chatter about Paul George at the time. June 18th, Woj reports sources, all-star Paul George tells Pacers he plans to leave franchise in 2018 free agency, Mm -hmm. prefers Lakers. This was out there from the very beginning. Yeah. And this was, it wasn't like, it wasn't even like second, I guess it is secondhand reporting, but it's literally Paul George telling the team that he prefers the Lakers. Mm -hmm. There was no like secrecy involved. There was no five team list. It was the only name you ever heard was the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And Chris Mannix reported that teams are trying to decide what's the appropriate cost for a player who they're being told pretty adamantly by Paul George's camp, will be a rental. No matter who you are, no matter who has checked in or who potentially will check in, they're going to be told that Paul George is going to play the season out and he's going to be a Laker. Mm-hmm. That's his plan. Mm-hmm. Which that, I mean, I, I guess I knew that at the time, but I kind of forgot how like definite it seemed. Mm-hmm. Which kind of puts what OKC did in perspective. Like it, it's... Obviously, it's amazing that they got Paul George and then got him to resign, which we're going to talk about. But in was, that context, it was sh- shocking. It it was like not on the radar. One, we didn't feel like we had the like the right assets to get him. I remember right. the day of the trade, I was talking to Brett Dawson, and we were talking about how the Thunder are like kind of screwed. Like this is the this is their team. Are they better than like the like if everything went perfectly, they're like the four seed. You know, yeah, in the West, and you don't really have a path to the West Finals. Like this is your Westbrook team, and like this is what you're going to be. And there's no way out because like you can't really trade Vic for anything better than Vic. You can't trade Ennis right now because Ennis. I mean, Ennis his contract felt like an albatross. There were just so many things about it that just felt like, oh man, like they. And at the time, I remember talking to him like, man, they really just need like Sabonis to be really good. And he was coming so was off a- like a re- his rookie season was legitimately bad, and they couldn't play him in the playoffs. 
I mean, I think yeah, that's that, that's, that gets that's a really important point because Sabonis would have been like that kind of Dennis Smith Jr. piece. Yeah. If you're trying to make a big deal for a superstar, because he was a lottery pick, he was a rookie, but his rookie season was so bad that it, people weren't like thrill, like super excited about Sabonis yeah. at that time. Here are his rookie season stats. He averaged 5.9 points per game, three rebounds, one assist, half a steal, half a block, 39% from the field. That's worse than Poku this season, by the way. Uh, 32% from three, 65% from the free throw line. Like all career lows. In the playoffs, here are his minute, here's his minute total. Six minutes. They played him in two games. They played him six minutes. He scored four points, and he had four fouls. Wow. That's that's who the Pacers got in this trade. And they must have just... And this is where, like, scouting... Here's why you scout everybody in the draft, because eventually they may become available to you. They certainly didn't want Domas because of what he did in Oklahoma City. Uh, right. And then the next season, he averages... 11-7, two assists on 51% from the field, 35% from three, 75% from the free throw line. It's like, oh, that got much better than eventually. You know, in his uh, fourth season, he made the all-star team, averaging 18, 12, and five. You know, I mean, it's kind of amazing the leaps that he made. From I remember I was back in the day when I was listening to Dunked On, Shout out Nate Duncan was talking about how the Thunder should have taken Wancho. You know, it was just like almost, yeah. it felt like almost every episode they would touch on the Thunder, be like, man, I should have taken Wancho. I'm like, God, this is terrible. Um, and, and in retrospect, it was never going to work as long as Steven Adams was on the team. Like, what we know about Sabonis now, like, what is the only conversation about Sabonis is like, how, who do you pair with him in the front court? Right, and if there's one thing we learned, it's not a non-shooter. Like it's they actually it had a great guy in Jeremy Grant. Yeah, that's true. You know, you could have traded Stevo and gotten a like a wing because Steven <sighs> had trade value at the time. Yeah, and like you could have actually, if if like if they don't make this Paul George trade, maybe you can trade Stevo for a wing, and then it's Domas, Jeremy, whatever wing you got, Vic and Russ. Like honestly, like that's not a horrible outcome, you know, two years from then. Like that actually would have been a pretty good team. Yeah. Um, but it was hard to see. And and part of the reason that the Thunder ended up taking Sabonis is like he shot lights out in workouts pre draft. He was killing it from three. And so the thought was that he was kind of hidden at Gonzaga with the kind of skill level he had and was going to be a guy that could hit from deep. And that ended up just not coming to fruition at all. In the Until NBA. maybe this year, like, like all his off season videos are him taking threes. Yeah. And that, and so like he took, let me see what his totals were. His rookie season, he took 159 threes. He was 51 for 159. In his second year, he took 37 threes. In his third year, he took 17 threes. Wow. <laughs> Unreal. They were just like, nope, that's not who we saw you as, you know, in yeah. your workouts with us. But um, apparently he just absolutely killed it at 
the workouts with the Thunder. And so that was like part of the reason why they wanted him, um, was that they thought that he could develop into something more. Man. Uh, okay, so I want to read off just some of the teams that were engaged with the Pacers okay. about Paul George. So Woj, Indiana and Boston are engaged in serious talks on a Paul George trade. Adam Kaufman, who does a Celtics pod, he heard the offer was Jay Crowder, the L.A. Sacramento pick acquired in the Fulch Tatum trade, a mm-hmm. non-Brooklyn first and salary filler. Woj confirmed that the Celtics' plan was to sign Gordon Hayward. This is the Gordon Hayward summer. Mm-hmm. Then deal for Paul George, but Pacers didn't want to wait. League stunned. <laughs> Mark Stein, league sources, Cavs, Pacers, and Nuggets have discussed a three-way deal that would land Paul George in Cleveland and Kevin Love in Denver. And Woj confirmed that and said Gary Harris and a protected first from Cleveland would have been the return for Paul George. Wow. P- Portland offered three firsts in that year's draft, the 15th, 20th, and 26th, which this is the draft they had traded up for Zach Collins, so they did eventually trade some of those picks. Yeah. Plus any non-big three player. So their big three was Dame, CJ, and Nurk. I went and looked at their roster. <laughs> There's no one you would possibly want from that team. Maybe <laughs> Noah Vonley at that time. Maybe you'd still be excited about that. Uh, Brian Windhorst, the Rockets are trying very hard to land Paul George to pair with CP3 and Harden. I remember that very Tim well. McMahon, source on Rockets, they think they are getting Carmelo or Paul George. Yes. Oh my gosh. I remember I remember that feeling so good at the time that not only did they not get either one, we got both. I remember we that was both. you know, that's it's similar to like our we still have the same feelings about the Rockets like at the beginning of this pod. We're like, hey, great. Kevin's staying. Awesome. It's going to hurt the Rockets, which is good for us. And then last one, Mark Stein reported, Pacers and Lakers have engaged on Paul George trade talks in advance of Thursday's draft. He followed up saying, can the Lakers now land Paul George by offering Thursday's number 27 and 28 picks and either Julius Randle or Jordan Clarkson? Oh, my They're gosh. trying. Wow. The point is that like for the weeks leading up to the draft – and, and after the draft, no one was talking about OKC, but there were so many suitors. Like, even oh, yeah. though people knew he was probably going to be a one-year rental, there were there were options out there for the Pacers yeah. at that time. Yeah, those Lakers picks ended up being Kuzma and Josh Hart. Like, it's pretty, yeah, pretty pretty nice picks. Pretty good. Uh, so then, on June 30th, 6.41 p.m., which that was, that was probably my Pacific time, so it would have been... 8.41 yes. p.m. your time. Yes. Ramona Shelburne, Paul George has been traded to OKC per sources. <sighs> no other information, just Paul George has been traded to OKC. And if you go back and look at the tweet, the replies to it, it's just a bunch of people like super confused because what could they possibly have given them to make this deal work? Yeah. It was like, was it Steven Adams? Is it like, what What did they, what did they do? Because it didn't, like I, like we just stated... Domas was bad. So bad that Russ was calling him Damos in the locker room and no one was doing anything about it. And he was <laughs> petrified to play with Russ. Um, not a good situation. And Vic coming off of a really bad playoff series. It was like, this is like yeah. the, the, the bottom of their value. And it just didn't seem possible. I, re- I remember thinking it was a fake tweet. Like somehow, like a fake, like Ramona Shelburne account got retweeted. Yeah. I was so, I was putting my son to bed. We were my wife and I were getting ready to go on a trip with some friends to New Mexico. Well, we were gonna wake up at three a.m. and drive there, 
so that we could like drive to Mexico, New Mexico. Oh, New Mexico. Okay. Yeah, we're driving to Mexico. No, we're driving to New Mexico uh, to go, like, go to Red River just to spend some time with friends there. And you know, we were planning to go to bed at like nine o'clock, and then like this Paul George news drops, and I'm like, "This cannot be. This cannot be real. Like that cannot be real. Like why? Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody create a Ramona Shelburne account that's fake?" And just to like mess with Thunder fans, but turned out it was it was real. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I was I was at a uh, restaurant called Noble Rot here in Portland. I was about to graduate the next day, and I got like people started texting me, and I had because it was like a f- big family dinner, mm-hmm. and I actually I got up and just went to the bathroom and just like sat on the toilet, <laughs> just, like scrolled <laughs> Twitter for ten minutes. <laughs> It was unbelievable. It was I just could could not believe it because I remember just thinking like, man, I was just talking to Brett about how awful of a position the Thunder are in with regards to like just kind of being in the middle of the West and not really being able to do anything. And then, man, and then also with the context of Russell Westbrook, it felt like Russell Westbrook was like entering like his true prime of like we are now like the best player in the NBA with the what was at the time the third best small forward in the league. Uh, we didn't have to give up Steven. Um, you know, Andre was a, was going to re-sign with the Thunder that summer. They have all these pieces. They still had Abrinas and Doug McDermott. And, like, it just felt you, – you felt like they had the second best team in the West, um, except for Stephen A. Smith, who – uh, had some some different thoughts on the Thunder. And uh, here's some, some thoughts from Stephen A. Where does this move put Oklahoma City now in the West? Personally speaking, I think it still puts them somewhere between the fourth and the fifth slot uh, within the Western Conference, quite possibly a berth to the second round of the NBA playoffs within the Western Conference. Again, if they're a fifth seed, they're playing a fourth seed. Anything could happen at that particular moment in time. But that's really all that I see. I don't view... Oklahoma City as a powerhouse just because they have Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Uh, Stephen A. nailed it, by the way, yeah. on that one. Yeah. We will get to another Stephen A. Uh, quote here in a little bit, but uh, Stephen A. Stephen A. kind of nailed it with that quote. However, the feelings at the time were like in Oklahoma City, like, oh my gosh, we're like we're back, baby. You know, is, is how it felt. And it wasn't just Oklahoma City. Nate Duncan tweeted out the thunder are probably the best equipped team to guard the warriors in the league now <laughs> like that was nate duncan saying that like and it was and it was true like it was true when you have robertson jeremy grant paul george stephen adams who was thought of as a guy that could still guard on the perimeter some because yeah. he defended at times he had to defend steph curry in the west finals in uh, like two years prior, and you're like, yeah, this this team could be the best defensive team in the league, and they were close to it when they were fully healthy. Um, so Paul George gets traded to the Thunder. The Thunder have this giant party at the Jones Assembly, <laughs> and it is pretty wild. So my friend Hunter called me and was like, hey, I've got a ticket to this if you want to go. It's like, yeah, I want to go. They handed out these shirts at the party. Um, mm. To everybody, uh, I went there with the L man. It was open bar, like completely open bar to the, to the point where people were taking bottles of champagne home with them at the end of the night. Oh, wow! Um, 
They're just like, yeah, I'll take these three bottles of champagne. Like it's on the Thunder's tab. Uh, they're also handing out fidget spinners, which Luke and I really took advantage of. This is a if you're watching on the stream, you can see a picture of Luke and I with a uh, Thunder. Gosh, why is his name escaping me? Right Brian now. Davis. Brian Davis, uh, former color commentator. Brian Davis. Uh, not color. Um, he was the play-by-play for the Thunder. Uh, honestly, shouldn't shouldn't have ever left. What an amazing guy! But here, there's a picture of Luke and I holding our fidget spinners and uh, hanging out with Brian Davis. Uh, it was an amazing party. It was just completely just jam-packed with people, and it was it was a, a wild time. I remember I snuck John Hamm a beer because he was there as a media member, and they weren't allowed to partake in the bar <laughs> so, <laughs> what I, I snuck a drink to john ham what what he was there like representing daily thunder i think the franchise oh the franchise who who wasn't who wasn't letting him drink i guess if you had a credential oh it's so, like if you get in with a credential you weren't allowed oh, to a- partake in the open bar like you were just there to like talk like like have a perspective on the event so oh, that's rude. Yeah. <laughs> so rude. Uh, yeah, th- that was, and, and at the time, and I still feel this way, but, you know, going back to how they handled Kevin Durant during, during his whole period, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about the, the sports illustrated cover, which, you know, that was Kevin Durant's input on that as well. They'd have uh, billboards around that had, you know, like random players on the team on it. This felt like a fundamental shift in how the team was approaching stars, mm-hmm. like having this big blowout party to like welcome Paul George yeah. to Oklahoma City. Yeah. It was very if at the time it felt very out of character for the Thunder organization. Yeah, his family ended up, said like they rolled out the red carpet for all of us because they flew his entire family to Oklahoma City. Uh, the Thunder let people know like when they were going to be arriving so that every the Thunder fans could meet him at the airport. I actually went there. Yeah. It was on uh it was on July eleventh that he flew in. I remember because it was seven eleven day and you got your free seven eleven icy drinks. I took my kids to go get an icy right before we went to the airport. Um it was an outrageous time. It was so much fun to uh be a Thunder fan that summer because you you had experienced like the lowest of lows and then like things start to build up where it's like oh my gosh our, we have the MVP now but where are we going where we're going is like we're going to get one of the superstars of the NBA to join him it just felt it was an unbelievable ride for a Thunder fan that summer and it wasn't even over yet we we're about to like things got even better yeah, it was not over yet. And by the way, you mentioned Westbrook earlier, and we should have led off with that because this was also an important summer for Westbrook because he was eligible for an extension. Yes. And who knows what would have happened if they don't get Paul George. I mean, we never got any indication that he wouldn't sign an extension. Right. But you have to imagine them getting Paul George made that decision very oh, easy yeah. for Russell Westbrook. Because he, he re-signed like a few weeks later after that. It felt like you wanted him to re-sign like that day, you know. And right, have yeah. it all happened, but you know it was, it was wild, man. It was that was a a wild beginning to the summer. So shortly after, you know, so this is all happening beginning middle of July. Yeah. We're having the party. We're feeling great. Yeah. Um, and then Bill Simmons tweets out <laughs> on July twenty fourth. 
Do we get to? Did we get? We didn't do Patrick Patterson yet. That happened before then. Oh, did it really? I didn't have yeah. the date on that. Okay, so they they also signed Patrick Patterson three years, sixteen point four million dollar deal. He was coming off a few seasons in uh, Toronto. Yes, and every, I mean, he's one of those NBA smart guys who we we were convinced was much better than he he had let on. Yeah. <laughs> Although if you read anything from Raptors fans at the time, they would tell you that he was like very streaky as a player. Yeah. Yeah. He Raptors fans were warning us at the time. Like this guy's not, he's not, not quite as good as you think he might be, but he felt so perfect for the thunder because all they needed was somebody to space the floor and to like move the ball. And like, those right. are things that Tupac could do. And it felt, I remember at the time thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is so much better than you know having Rudy Gay," because it was like most of Tupac's shots were threes. Uh, a vast majority of Rudy Gay's shots were mid-range shots, and so you it just felt like a, such a great fit at the time. And when you're trying to compete against the Warriors, you, know, you needed a guy like Tupac, you know, to to space the floor for for Westbrook. He felt, gosh, he felt just so perfect. Yeah, so some of these other deals probably happened before the Mellow deal as well. So, for instance, Raymond Felton Ray ends Felton up signing a one-year deal. Did happen. I found out about that one. I was at Whitewater Bay. Nice. Yep. I don't know why that would be an event where you would need to remember where you were. But uh, cool. I do. I was it. in the Whitewater Bay parking lot walking out like, oh, my gosh, we just got Ray Felton. At the time, we needed a backup point guard so badly. Like, just needed somebody competent. That could spell Russ for twelve minutes a game, and he at the time seemed so much better than like Michael Carter Williams or Samaj or like anybody else. It's just like, can we just upgrade this spot somehow? And Ray Felton felt like, I mean, just to get free agents, you know, you get two Pat and Ray Felton in the same off season. Those are two of the better, you know, free agency signings for the Thunder ever. I mean, it's in the top five best free agency signings and that's mostly just because we don't get free agents but to get both of those guys it just felt like oh my gosh like it's it's happening it's all coming together you know that's how it felt at the time i think i did emergency pods for both two pat actually i did one from new mexico with fred katz on two pat um and my internet wasn't good enough i had to have fred upload it for me because my internet wasn't fast enough (laughs) And then the other name, well, so Nick Collison comes back on a one-year deal, and it's it's known that this is going to be his final season yeah. at that time. Then Andre Robertson yeah. gets a three-year, $30 million deal, and the part I had forgotten that he had turned down a four-year, $48 million deal the previous fall. So yeah. when they were doing those deals for Steven Adams, Victor Oladipo, they had also offered Robertson four years, 48. I remember that. I thought Which, knowing what... how it played out with his injury, oh. I mean, I don't think it would have really mattered because it would have gone into that uh, that first tank season, I think, yeah, when they had kind of cleared. But I wonder if that would have uh, limited their ability to do any of those deals. Although, it, it may have. you kind of imagine that fourth year probably would have been a team option, Gosh. I would guess. Yeah. And you forget, like, it's, it's easy to remember that Robertson couldn't shoot. But, and I, Thunder fans that were watching that year don't forget, but like he was so good for them that season. And 
so much so that things really kind of fell apart after he went after he went down. They were starting to roll. Like they were starting to really figure. Oh, it so out. save it, Andrew. We're we're not in 2018. They're starting to really figure it out, and then Robertson goes down. I know, but it wasn't it wasn't off season either, though. It happened in season. It's just um, sad. So those are all the deals that happen kind of in that in between period. Yeah, those are all summertime Be- deals. Yeah, summertime deals because. The actual Carmelo deal doesn't happen until September 23rd. Yeah. 10.05 a.m. out here in Portland, Oregon. I was uh, hung over in my bathroom vomiting. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> and in my little, like, 400-square-foot studio, just puking oh, my brains out. No. And uh, Woj tweets out, New York has agreed to a deal to send Carmelo Anthony to OKC for Ennis Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a draft pick. League sources tell ESPN. Yeah, unbelievable. It and it, you're you have the Simmons stuff too. Pull that. Uh, no, no. So Sim- Simmons- oh, 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 I forgot. To, I forgot to read that. Yeah, yeah because yeah. we. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So going back two months, because yeah. that was that was September twenty third. Yeah. Two months previous to that, July twenty fourth, Bill Simmons said, "Have a scoop." OKC and Carmelo are officially circling each other. Yeah. OKC's Troy Weaver recruited Melo to Q's and has known him since DMV days. <laughs> it's it's rare that you get someone as high profile as Bill Simmons giving information like that. Yep. And then it actually coming true like two months later. Yeah. That was so far ahead of the curve in terms of this deal happening. Because, again, you look at the replies to that tweet. I think the first one was Carson Cunningham with the gif of uh, Russell Westbrook, like, doing the what? Like, just not understanding. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Could this actually happen? No. Like, it didn't make Car- any sense. Be- Carmelo to the thunder? It just felt like it, would, it, just felt like it was going to, like, is impossible. That's not actually going to happen. Because all the other reporting at that time was that one, he had a no trade clause, yeah. so like he didn't have to do anything. Right. And two, he because of that, he was very specific about what teams he was willing to go to. Mm-hmm. And all the buzz at that time was that he wants to go to the Rockets, which mm-hmm. turned out to eventually be true. I mean, he would eventually go to the Rockets for like fifteen games or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that turned out terribly. But when the deal finally happened, so now fast forwarding to September. Woj reveals that Anthony told the Knicks he would only waive his no trade clause for the Thunder, the Houston Rockets, and the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, At the time, the Cavs did not have any interest in Melo. Obviously, it was like a race between Houston and OKC. And it yeah. was the Ryan Anderson deal that Ugh. was like holding them back. And to put some context around this particular deal, which was a second rounder. Cantor and McDermott. Here's Cantor's um, stat line from the playoffs, from that five-game playoff series with the Rockets. It's it's so bad. 4.8 points, 1.8 boards. He played nine minutes a game. It was peak, can't play Cantor. It was, it was don't play Cantor. You know, they just didn't do it. They just wouldn't play him. He played a total of 45 minutes. In that series, he was thirty-eight percent from the field. I mean, it 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 felt like we we just got again. This was like the the worst value you could have within his canter, and 
they ended up getting Carmel Anthony for him and for McDermott, who was fine, but they couldn't play him much in the playoffs either. McDermott played 66 minutes in that series. I mean, they couldn't really play him either. And so it felt like two guys that can't play in the playoffs for Carmelo Anthony? Like, yes, yeah, sign me up every single day. I mean, it was, it was, ins- it felt insane. It felt like, how did we go from like losing Kevin Durant in one summer, having the MVP, and then suddenly getting Paul George and Carmelo Anthony? I remember Media Day was like the day after they had made the trade, and you saw those three in their Thunder jerseys walking down the hall. I think I was standing there with Fred. And you just see those three walking down the hall, like in line together. I think I have a picture. I need to see if I can pull it up. Um, but they're like walking together down the hallway and you can see like the backs of all their jerseys. You're like, what's going on here? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> how did Sam Presti orchestrate this to happen in Oklahoma city? It just felt like a dream. And I remember after that trade was made, you know, a popular opinion was pretty high for OKC. Well, um, let's, let's, ex- let's let's check in with Stephen A. You want to check okay, in? Okay. You want to check in with Stephen A. On so he thought this was the fourth or fifth best team in the West. Here's what he thought after the Mellow trade. The Oklahoma City Thunder officially the number two team in the Western Conference. They are, yes, I'm sir. anticipating that they will be the ones to meet the Warriors. I know that San Antonio and Houston expect to have something to say about it, um, but I think it's going to be Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook and Paul George make up the best backcourt in the NBA. You combine that with Melo being able to give you something, along with you still keeping Steven Adams and Robeson being a defensive ace. you got four defenders on the floor with Melo. Okay, and offensively, you got three juggernauts. So I think you look at it from that perspective. That's a big deal. That's the number one thing that jumps out of me. No. Best backcourt. Best backcourt. <laughs> Roberson. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, he was wrong about four defenders with Carmel because I don't know if Westbrook should be considered a defender. He's not. Uh, yeah. But, but. Three defenders, for sure. But by the yep. time they got to the playoffs, and this was kind of the problem, it was down to two defenders Yep, with Carmelo because Robertson, as you mentioned, got hurt mm-hmm. uh, in the following season. Yeah, I remember Zach Lowe being the only one who was really like, I don't know if they should have done this. I don't know if this actually improved them at all. I was so mad about it, too. I was like, how could you, how could you think... Because part of the, the my thinking at the time was the Thunder still couldn't put their best five players on the court at the same time, and it makes sense. But when you add Mello, you could, and I I think that you know obviously you know we didn't understand the level that Mello was at in that season, and Mello didn't know how to be the version that he was in Portland yet. Because if he could have instantly been the guy he was in Portland. I think it would have been actually like pretty awesome, but he was still like tons of mid range, no defense, a lot of like your turn, my turn in Oklahoma city. It was, it was not a good fit. Yeah, it wasn't, it was fun though. And, uh, I only have fond memories of Carmelo. He, he was just a cool guy. I guess he still is a cool guy. Uh, he was, he was very, he was seriously to this day, the coolest person I've ever been in the same room with. Like he, he's the kind of guy that makes you feel cool as well. Like where like Russ is like Russ is such a obviously like a cool guy, but he makes you feel like 
you are the biggest idiot to walk the face of the <laughs> earth. <laughs> so the Carmelo deal happens. And I mean, what else could possibly go right this summer? Then we get the report, Andrew, September 24th. This is a day after Alex Kennedy. Carmel Anthony and Paul George have already started recruiting Dwayne Wade to the oh Oklahoma gosh, City Thunder. Yes. I remember asking, I don't know who asked about it, but we asked about it on Media Day about Wade joining this group. And uh. and it wasn't just Alex Kennedy. Like Woj came out on a ESPN radio show. He was asked about a Dwayne Wade update. He said, Cleveland is clearly the team to beat, but OKC is in there. Yeah. Like oh it wasn't. Gosh. Crazy to think that they could also get Dwayne Wade, which knowing how Dwayne Wade's time in Cleveland turned out, like I do think it probably would have helped. I don't know if it would have worked. I mean, it, it didn't work regardless. Yeah. So I, so at this point, I'm like, well, we should have just. It would have been fun. I'll, I'll I'll just try the hypothetical out. Yeah, sure. Bring Dwayne Wade in. We'll see what happens. It just, at that time, I was like, I, you felt like anything could happen. You know, it's. It was even, I mean, that would have been wild if they would have, could have actually make that happen. Because then you started thinking about the following seasons, like, okay, can we get the banana boat? Okay, can we get LeBron James to OKC? <laughs> <laughs> you start, like, really talking yourself into just all this insane stuff. And with, I mean, with what Sam was able to do, it really did feel like it could happen. <laughs> it did. And then the final thing that happened this summer, six days after the Carmelo trades announced, September 29th, Russell Westbrook has agreed to a five-year, $205 million contract extension yeah. with OKC. Like, the sequence of events, <sighs> like, any single one of those events, even the Russell Westbrook extension in, in a vacuum, mm -hmm. would have been a great offseason, considering where the, what, what had happened to the Thunder you know, the previous offseason with mm -hmm. Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. Literally just that, just Russell Westbrook signing that five-year deal would have made us as excited as any other thing that could have happened. Yeah, no you doubt. Combine that with the Paul George trade and then the Carmel Anthony trade, it felt, and, and then just says like sweeteners, you're bringing back Andre Robertson on a really reasonable deal. Mm -hmm. You get Raymond Felton, who you know is going to be an upgrade on Samaj Kristen. You get Patrick Patterson, who we all think is going to be like a great role player. I, I like can't put into words how excited I was for the next season. Yeah. And the 180 that we went from from that Houston series to how we felt at the end of September. I know. It was an unbelievable. And and yet we were we were <laughs> being given a sign that maybe this is not going to work out and here was sign number 1. Um how do you feel about you know starting at the 4 or the concept of starting at the 4? Or even coming off the bench, and the second question is: Well, me? Oh. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that answers that part. I, I mean, I don't know where that started, where that came from. <laughs> hey, Pete, they said I got to come off the bench. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, guy. Oh, well, how do you? I guess the bench question is not. not a Oh, it's so good. It is so good. He is laughing so hard. Like, and it should have been that moment where, like, oh my gosh, like these guys are actually going to control everything that happens in Oklahoma City for the rest of their time here, you know? Um, at, the, at the same time, I'm like surprised that was even a question at that point, though, because I mean, he was still like, he was coming off his season where he scored like 23 points per game with mm -hmm. the Knicks. Mm hmm. 
Like, I, I guess I, I understand now, of course, why we would think about Carmelo coming off the bench, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised that we were, that was even in the conversation at that time. I kind of understand his reaction. Shouts to Eric Horn for having, having the balls to ask that question. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a big time question. Yeah, he was 22, 5, and 3. Shooting 36% from three, 43% from the field. Then he came to Oklahoma City. He was still 16, 5, and 1, shooting 35%, almost 36% from three, 40% of the field. Not good, but still like scored 16 points a game, you know? Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. And obviously in the playoffs was where things did not go well in Oklahoma City in that series. He was 11 points, five boards. Point three assists. He was thirty-seven percent from the field, twenty-one percent from three. Let me see what his totals were. He took twenty-eight threes. He was six of twenty-eight against Utah in that playoff series. He was really bad. Um, and the should, thought. Do you think the, we should? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say that it was just about like playing Jeremy. You know, Jeremy Grant at yeah, that spot for sure. fit fit way better. Do you think? Because I don't think 2018 will actually take that long. Do you want to just roll into it? We're at an hour four. I know, but the draft is nothing. It's literally just Paul. We Gilles. can do it. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, let's let's do it. I've got it's. It, there's a lot, but we yeah we can do we can make the we can do a long pod whatever. It's. Do you, I mean, do you think we should wait? We can wait. We can wait. We can we can save it. Maybe we should save it. There's a lot. Okay, there's a there is a there is a lot to get into in this summer too. I think all of the Paul George narrative stuff. I think we can really dig deep. Yeah, because you probably have some of... good uh, clips from that time. Too, oh my gosh, there are a lot of good drops. <laughs> oh, I've got some great clips. This is well. Then let's save that. That's the summer that I have um, that I'm most excited for. But yeah, I mean, let's let's go back. I want to look at what night one like the starting lineup and like what the um let's see 17 18 season they played the knicks opening night they beat them 105 to 84 and it probably just i mean paul george came out had 28 and 6 Mello had 22 points Wow. Um, westbrook had tw- had a triple double 21 10 and 16 assists that night Jeez. And it just, you just, and the bench didn't do a whole lot, but they didn't need to. You know, you just, it just felt like, wow, we've done it. You know, and then a sign of things to come in game two. I didn't remember this. They lost to Utah 96 to 87. They scored 87 points <laughs> against them. Westbrook in that game played 36 minutes. He was two for 11, six points, 13 boards, nine assists. Mello had 26 points. Mello, oh my gosh. Mello took 26 shots against the Jazz in that game. Paul George had wow. 19. Westbrook had 11. And then, like, the bench ended up doing nothing in that game. There, there was a sign of things to come. Then they lost to the Timberwolves in game three. Oh my gosh. This was the Jimmy Butler, Jeff Teague, Todd Gibson, Wiggins, and Towns. Just pummel, like just. Oh my gosh, they beat the Thunder. Oh man! Uh, I just want to read. So this is from Daily Thunder. Some of the reaction tweets. Yeah. Uh, Chris Broussard. Sam Presti is a bad boy. 
<laughs> NBA storylines just keep getting better and better. Props to Mello. Looks like he prioritized winning above market. Zach Harper. I just hope this unlocks Olympic mellow in the NBA. That was that was that was the that was the that was the dream. Is like, can we get Olympic mellow <laughs> to the NBA? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, there was so much talk about that. Holy smokes! And then it was, can we get Olympic Russ at some point? That's kind of what it is now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, we were still waiting for Olympic West. We actually got Olympic mellow in Portland. No, the, yeah, the best version. That's of about as close as you're going to get. Yeah. Okay, so what is your final grade for the 2017 offseason? It's uh, a plus. Like you, I don't think you could have done better that summer. Yeah, it, I don't. It's th- funny, I, think, like, I think it's impossible. In fact, the, the only thing is the draft. Like, if it, it was an hour ago, but we started this talking about Terrence Ferguson. Yeah. But in in retrospect, with all of the other things that happened, it seems like so minor. <laughs> like, I mean, if they would have just taken, if, if they would have just taken um, Derek White, or if they would have taken OG, I mean, honestly, either one of those picks would have actually changed the fortunes of the this Thunder team because they needed somebody like that to come in after Robertson was gone. Like, imagine if OG and an OB. All right, stop. I'm getting even more sad now. This is supposed to be fun. But even with that, I still think it's an A plus, yes. just because. That run of deals and specifically turning who those assets were at the time, meaning Oladipo and Sabonis, yeah. into Paul George. Now, it ended up being a really nice trade for the Pacers, which we would eventually find out. Turns out the Oladipo muscle watch was true. Yep. And it did matter. He yeah, became an all star. Yeah. And then, of course, Sabonis becomes an all star. But at the time, to turn those assets, which felt like very distressed at the time. Yep. Like those contracts, oh, oh, I mean, Old Depot's contract was not a positive. And then Sabonis was still a positive because he's on a rookie deal, but we talked about it. Like he just wasn't he was bad. seen as like this amazing rookie prospect. Yeah, he was actively bad his rookie season. Um, and he turned that into Paul George. I need to find the clip for next week of the, the fun debate because this was this, a season that divided the Down to Dunk Fry Pod where we talked about like, is this fun? And you look back, December 16th, they lost to the Knicks. They lost 111 to 96 to the Knicks in New York. And then their record at the time in December was 14 and 15. Yeah. You know, after all of this, they had a four game losing streak where they lost to Boston, they lost to Portland, they lost to Sacramento, and they lost to Denver. And it's like, what is happening? You know, this it quickly fell apart. They ended up finishing the season, <clears throat> excuse me, with 48 wins, which, well, like in retrospect, like that's pretty good to end the season like that. But it took them, I talked about like them rolling with Robertson. It took them a while to get rolling. It wasn't until mid January that they started to win games. They won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in a row in January. And that's when like things actually started to pick up. They beat they won that game in Philadelphia. I believe it was on a Sunday that they won that game and that put them at 30 and 20. But it felt pretty brutal. Um the first part of that season things were just like not going well for them. And it was just kind of a sign of of things to come, but um man, what a wild off season though. One of the best off seasons in Thunder history. Maybe 
maybe the best with regards to the amount of positive things that happened for the team. You know, it felt just going from, it felt like we're going to be rooting for this mediocre team to, are we the second best team in the entire NBA now? You know, like those are the conversations. They're some of the best, like most fun podcasts to do. It was just these, these like crazy emergency pods at the time. Um, yeah, it was wild. And you can go listen to like all of those are all available on iTunes if you have any interest in going and listening to those. Because um, maybe you're sick of listening to po- NBA podcasts about Kevin Durant. Um, okay. Hour 11 on one summer. But it deserves it, right? It deserves it. It was, it was the best. Of all these summers, it was the best one. It was, it was the very best. Uh, all right. Hope you guys have a great day. We'll be back on Friday. Uh We'll we'll leave you guys with one more who me from Carmelo Anthony. Um, how do you feel about you know starting at the four or the concept of starting at the four or even coming <laughs> off the bench? And the second question is who me? Oh, <laughs> 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 I, guess, I, I guess that answers that part. I, I mean, I don't know where that started, where I came from. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pete, they said I got to come off the bench. <laughs> No, I'm sorry, guy. Oh, well, how do you? <laughs> I guess.